right, welcome in to another episode of the Growing Faith Podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy. Uh, I am your host today, and I am a staff pastor here at the Rocky Butte campus of Manor House here in the Portland metro area and also down in Eugene. Uh, we're, uh, we're a church for the journey. We like to just help people go from where they are to, uh, to follow the plan that God has laid out for them. Not just as individuals, but also as a community, as a church, and um, and so here at the Growing Faith Podcast, along those lines, uh, I always say our heart is just to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and that uh, you know, in my, <laughs> I always say it. So if you're uh, a common listener of the show, you know I always say I would just like to take for the average Joe in the pews, like the average churchgoer, to find their place in the body of Christ, to be equipped, um, to do the work that God has called them to do, to reach the people God has called them to reach, and all of that that God has invited us into um, in relationship with Him and um, displaying His glory and His honor. Um, And so uh, today, uh, thinking and talking about the church and how the church exists in society, and I don't know, sometimes I just sit around and I mean, I work at a church and I think, what is the purpose of the church? Why are we here? What are we supposed to be doing? And uh, so I thought, man, you know what I should probably do is I should probably pull someone smarter than me into the room and have them talk about uh, this topic because I think it will help me. I'm just here selfishly today hosting so that I get to be a part of the conversation. Uh, but I invited my friend Travis Arnold. He's uh, one of the professors at Portland Bible College. Uh, if you want more information about Portland Bible College, you can uh, check it out at portlandbiblecollege.org. And I'll put some stuff in the in the show notes so that you can access that if you like. Um, I'm a four-year graduate of uh, PBC, and it definitely was one of the things that really helped transformed my life, really shaped me, molded me. And so I'm super thankful for that institution. And uh, Travis, just super honored to have you here today. Thanks for being here. Um, Why don't you just give us a little one to two minute, like, who is Travis Arnold? Well, I am, I think first and foremost, I'm a believer. I'm a husband to Rachel, and I have got three kids, and we live in Vancouver, Washington. And I've taught at PBC now for more than 10 years, 11 or 12, I think. And it's just an absolute honor to do that because I love to to teach people, to equip believers for the work of the ministry. And that's what PBC is all about, and that's what my life passion is. And so I hope to be teaching at PBC until I am senile or dead or they think I'm a heretic and kick me out. But until that day, or Christ returns, one of those options uh, will have to happen before I leave. So, Well, I'm hoping it won't be for the heretical thing. But, I hope uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> who would be your favorite heretic? <laughs> My favorite heretic? Modern? That would be controversial. <laughs> As long as you don't say me, I think I'll be okay. I feel, <laughs> like, that. I feel like that. You know, I think Nestorius uh, is my favorite heretic because I think he was misunderstood and probably not actually a heretic. But you can figure that out on your own later if you're listening. How do you spell Nestorius? Um, I'm not a grammar professor. Okay. <laughs> right. So okay. N e s t o r i u s. Not uh, not an English teacher. He's a Bible teacher. So. Um, you'll have to learn how to spell on your own. Yep. Um, and so Google's pretty good about correcting your search. So you just type it in and Google will know what you're looking for because 
Google is never mind. I won't go there. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's always weird how you have a conversation about something and you're like, Oh, I need to look that up and find that. And mm -hmm. your phone's like, Oh, did you want information about this? Yes. Like, why are you listening to me? It's scary. It's scary. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I started off, uh, so yeah, so you, you have an awesome family, uh, beautiful kids, man. Uh, just thank you. What a blessing, uh, for God to entrust those lives into your hands, huh? Mm, no yeah. pressure. I know. <laughs> Shoot. So, um, but uh, I remember with uh, one of your kids, there was some health health challenge stuff at the beginning. Yeah. And I remember uh, me and my kids uh, every night praying right. and praying and praying uh, for for your family. So I always feel a certain level of, of connection there. And it's, so it's part of, I don't know, as we begin to talk about the value of being a part of a church, mm -hmm. what what is the church, why the church, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. That's just one of the things that comes to my mind yeah. is like, oh, man, uh, that built um, I think that built something between us. Mm -hmm. um, it built something between me and God. Mm -hmm. It built something certainly between me and my kids yeah. and between my kids and God. And yeah. and uh, they'll always have something special in their hearts for your daughter, you yeah. know. And so um, so I don't know, as we kind of jump into this topic, it's kind of it's a really big topic. Yeah. So why don't you. Where, where would you start? You know, as you start with the whole question about church, uh, what is the church? Why the church? That kind of thing. Uh, I mean, you're the teacher. So uh, <laughs> why don't, where do you usually like to start that conversation? Well, I think it's good to define terms. And usually before I take the time in my classes to go into the Bible and back up the definition, we kind of just have to start with an assumed definition so that we can at least talk about it. And then, then we can come back around and like prove it out. And so I always start my Doctrine of the Church class saying the church is the community of believers in Christ. Now, everything we say about the what and the why of the church can be summarized in that phrase community. And that is the essence of the church. Uh, it is those who have Christ in common. That is, we are those formed into a community because we have Christ and his spirit in common. And that's the very essence of the church. And not only is that what the church is, that's why the church is. Uh, there is no higher reason for the church's existence other than to enjoy God and fellowship with him and with one another. And I, I then usually go to the fact that God himself is a community, that, that God did not create community. God never said, hey, there's, uh, there's this thing called community. It doesn't exist. I think I want to create it. As long as God has existed, he has only experienced himself in the terms of community. That's what Christians believe, because we believe that God has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this really dispels the myth, which is not in the Bible. If you ask the average Christian, why did God create people? Uh, they'll say a lot of things, but one of the things they'll say is, because he wanted someone with whom to relate or to have community with. And I would say, eh, uh, how absurd is that if you really think about it? I'm sorry if that was what you would say out listening there online, um, but I do think it's absurd. What you're saying is the relationship that the eternal father and eternal son and infinite spirit enjoyed with themselves in eternity past somehow got boring enough that they just needed someone else to relate to and that someone was you. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I think God enjoys infinitely satisfying community within himself 
And therefore, the reason that he created us was not because he needed someone to relate to, but because out of the overflow of his loving nature, he wanted to extend that perfect community to other creatures. And so we see him creating Adam and Eve, and he creates them in his image. And if you're reading the Bible carefully in its own terms, uh, you would see in Genesis not just God creating people to relate to. He created two people. He formed them into a family. And in terms that is a little bit unfamiliar to us, and we maybe don't see it in Genesis, he made them, he brought them into covenant with him. That is, he formed a special community with them that was so special that he, that he, that he made it a covenant relationship. Uh, like a marriage, a, a husband and wife are in covenant relationship. And in a similar way, God is in that kind of depth of relationship with us. And so... Um, let me, yeah, let me interrupt you for a second there. Just as um, I think, because I think the more we talk about uh, church as we can talk about the people, I think that concept that you just uh, <laughs> that you just scraped the surface of that covenant thing, um, and then I think you know it, we try to bring some clarity to that word covenant and covenant relationship by bringing in um, the marriage relationship. I, I think, however, in our culture, the marriage relationship has been a little bit beat up and tarnished. Hmm. Um, so I thought maybe you could just pause for a moment and and talk about you know maybe <laughs> ideally like ideally what that means to be in a covenant relationship because in our in our culture it's far too uh, flippant I think yeah um, you know with divorce rates where it's at and all that kind of stuff so to be in covenant community um, what it, dig into that just a tiny bit there. Um, the, the way that I describe it um, into the freshman level class, because we have a whole course on covenants where we look at what covenants means in the Bible's own terms. But if we could reduce it down to something pretty simple, I would say that covenant is a relationship with roles, rules, responsibility, and rewards. So it's not just two people relating. Um, it's, it's two people agreeing that here are my roles and your roles. Here are the rules for our relationship. We are responsible to one another. I'd use the word accountabil accountability there or transparency, mm -hmm. but it's not an R word, so I chose responsibility instead. Roles, <laughs> rules, responsibility, and rewards. There's, there's rewards mm -hmm. with, with that kind of relationship. And I think we have to realize that in the Bible, God never relates to anyone in a meaningful way outside of covenant. Mm -hmm. It's because he values relationships so much that he refuses to engage in it without the protection of defined roles, rules, responsibility, and rewards. So I don't think most, pe most people wouldn't say, why would you have this wonderful relationship with the, your significant other? Why would you want to cheapen it by making it official and, and saying vows and such? There are some people like that, but most of us would recognize that well, you're not cheaping, cheapening it by, by, by making vows. You're protecting it and giving it a protected environment in which it can thrive and in which we can really be vulnerable. And um, as the first husband and wife were naked and unashamed. And so I think, I think God uh, only relates in covenant relationship and because I, he himself is a covenant community. 
And then another thing that we would uh, see frequently in our in our culture, maybe it's just humanity, mm-hmm. is because of our self-centeredness, uh, we focus a lot on the rewards of mm-hmm. relationship. And, and those are the things that sometimes we even set our sights almost solely on the rewards of relationship. And I think sometimes that's why we can create a little bit of a war path or, you know, a, a trail behind us of carnage yeah. in the relational world, because rather than proper, I love the way you just laid that out, rather than properly understanding roles and, and, and the rules and um, what was the other R? Responsibility, Responsibility or accountability. Oh, yeah. Hello. I mean, that's a, yeah. so we, we don't consider all of those dynamics uh, and and put them in their proper place so that we can actually experience the right rewards from that relationship. There's a lot of R's today. And uh, <laughs> so uh, if you have any kind of R speech impediment, it's coming out today, Uh-oh, boy, I'm let sorry. me tell you. So um, I so, think but to, to get back to Genesis, just yes. to be clear. So God doesn't just say, hey, I made Adam and Eve. Love you guys. Let's just chat whenever we see each other. He says, I'm God. You're my creation. Our roles are that I'm God and you represent me. You're my image bearers. You have work to do. He gives them, he gives them, ro- he gives them roles. He gives them rules. Eat of all the trees. Don't eat of this tree. They're accountable to him. When they sin, he holds them accountable. And there's rewards for being in that relationship. They get to be his image bearers. They get to enjoy his good creation. They get to rule the world with him. So that it becomes clear to us he set up that the first people, not just as people that he was going to relate to, but as a covenant community in which he was in covenant, which is why the later prophets can say about Adam, when he sinned in the garden, he said, Adam violated the covenant. Uh, when they sinned in the garden, because the rest of the Bible understands that that is what was happening back there. Mm. So Adam and Eve, uh, we're looking at the rewards of the relationship, the ruling, the authority, the and to, they wanted to be like God, right? Like that's how kind of mm-hmm. Satan pulled them off track. But they were trying to do it outside of the confines mm-hmm. of the the roles and the responsibilities, and, yeah. and so um, okay, so. Okay, I think that helps paint a good picture that we will we'll probably harken back to that concept as we begin to jump more even into um, what what the church is. So we're talking about the triune nature of God, and um, I love how you pointed out that, that that means he didn't create us because he needed us, mm-hmm. um, because I think that even uh, could almost make God abusive, you know, like if you, you, you're loving someone because I need you, I need to be able to love you to be complete. Yeah. That creates a very unhealthy, uh, relational dynamic, obviously. And actually was the first time, uh, I think Tim Keller kind of wrote about it in one of his books, um, where I had never really given thought to the Trinity and how important that Nate, that part of God's nature, uh, was until he kind of laid that out. Like, love has to have a recipient. So Mm -hmm. if God is love and he is a soul, like not a triune God, not, you know, community in and of himself, then he created us out of need. And that's, uh, whoa. Okay. So, um, and that can't be God. God cannot have become a relational God. He didn't create us in order to have a self-actualizing experience as the relation, as the God of relationship. The only way for God to be loving forever in eternity past and truly relational is for him to have always 
enjoyed relationship as a part of who he was. Hmm. Uh, he, there's no room for the biblical def definition of God to say he became relational. No, he is love, not he became love. And so Trinity is the only answer to that. The only way God can be who he is is by, by being and enjoying forever community between Father, Son, and the Spirit. And that's the only way he could always have been a God of love. So the church exists predominantly then uh, to be a community. Yeah, let's fast forward the story. Let's jump over most of the Bible and say Adam and Eve screwed up. They sinned. Um, they lost some of the benefits of that covenant relationship. Um, and, of course, we're kind of diminished. I don't want to diminish the story of Israel, but for time's sake, we fast forward and say that ultimately the way that God restored his original vision to have a covenant community was was first by creating covenant with this people called Israel but his plan all along was to bring from Israel their Messiah who would who would um, actually die on a cross to take upon our sin and the, God's judgment against us for our sin so that we could be truly restored back to covenant relationship with him in the way that he intended in the beginning. So everything he did before that to draw out a people, the people of Israel, and make covenants with them, it was all getting to this ultimate thing that he was going to send Jesus, and Jesus would ultimately restore fallen people back into covenant community. So on the night of his death, he says, "This is I'm making the new covenant with you. This is the covenant which is the mother of all covenants. It's fulfilling all the ways in history past that I've related to people. It's all coming to a climax here. And um, that's what he was doing for us with his death, burial, and resurrection. He was forming the ultimate covenant community. And then he said, and, and that's his church. He said, this is the church I'm building. And so that's, that's where the church comes in. The church is the, the finally restored people of God who can enjoy covenant with him on the basis of what Jesus has done for them. So that's the whole of the Bible story is we've lost this covenant community with God and he ultimately restored it in Jesus. And the church is nothing other than that. The, the, the covenant community with God created by the blood of Christ. So, so many people in, uh, certainly, I don't know, maybe it's been an age-old problem, but certainly currently there's a lot of people that, you know, they don't like organized religion. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just me and Jesus, we're good. Uh, you know, that's good enough for me. I've got the Bible. I've got my relationship with Jesus. I've got, you know, all of the Hillsong and Bethel and Elevation <laughs> worship music that I, you know, could ever desire and or an upper room and all of those, you know, great uh, worship bands out there. So I got I got top notch worship. I can pipe into my room at any time. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm good. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I don't know that I need to be a part of a local church because I mean they're all kind of messed up anyways the church is full of hypocrites so yeah I think I'm good um, talk me out of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, I think we would sometimes people say this um, I reject organized religion I, I'm a part of the universal church if they know that term but if they don't know it they'll say something like that I, I, I'm a part of the the church in general I just don't believe in committing to a specific local church. I think that's all man-made. 
sometimes people say Jesus never, you know, that was a later invention, kind of organized religion. Jesus just came to love people and save people. And I would have to caution us that, remember, the, the goal of Scripture is not that Jesus came to die to save you individually. That is certainly true, but that is not the Bible's story. The Bible's story is that Jesus came to redeem Israel so that they could be made into his proper covenant community and then to extend that really to anyone who wanted to believe in Jesus, whether or not you were a Jew. And so, no, from the beginning, God didn't want to create individuals who, who, who loved him and knew him. He wanted to create a covenant community who loved and enjoyed relationship with him. And so in redemption, that's what he did. Jesus, I would say Jesus did not come to save you as an individual so you could listen to your podcast and worship uh, worship music and, and think that that satisfies it. And then most people know that. Most people know that. And they say, okay, yes, I... I get together with other believers, we have coffee, we hang out, we play board games. And then I would just have to say both the teachings of Jesus and more importantly, they're more important because there's more of the New Testament is written to local churches and so they get into it. But Jesus taught about local churches, how, how a community of his followers should function. Um, but so did most of the epistles are addressed to local churches to tell them how to function as local churches. And the whole book of Acts describes how local churches functioned. And you can't escape it if you want to be a Jesus follower regarding his opinion of what the church is. And if you want to be a follower of the New Testament, you have to admit the Bible gets to define what church is. And I can either reject it or accept it, but I have to be honest with myself that I'm either rejecting or accepting the New Testament teaching. Alternatively, you could try to reinterpret it, but I would, you will soon find that, that is, you can't really do that very easily if you're going to be intellectually honest. Uh, you're always going to end up with a structured community with pastors and teachers and elders and communion and baptism and regular gatherings and teachings and worship songs and prayer and accountability and confession of sin and discipline. You're, you're always going to end up with those things if you follow the Bible, and we call that local church. So maybe the last part of that objection then is, well, you know, the church is full of hypocrites or maybe, um, you know, I've been a part of three churches, let's say, and all three of them went through some sort of significant leadership situation. You know, and we, you know, we have whatever, tons of stories about pastors that have fallen morally and, and those kinds of things. And so, or maybe it was a financial situation where funds were misused or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and they can look back and they can go, well, you know, back in the New Testament when the church was perfect, you know, like, <laughs> um, so like, we just need to get back to the New Testament church, you know, simplify and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts in regards to some of those challenges or objections? I, f I feel deeply for people who have been hurt by uh, abuses and corruption in local churches. Local churches are made out of real uh, sinners who are redeemed. And that's Jesus' first teaching on a local church is, begins with this, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault in private and try to help him recover from sinfulness, etc. And so the vi in the very, the, his very introduction to his teaching on what a local church is assumes there's going to be conflict, it's going to be rough, it's going to be hard, 
We're going to have to be accountable to one another, and it's going to be full of sinners. And I feel, I feel, I really feel for people who have been hurt and have a hard time committing again. And I understand that, and I think God understands it. But I think with time, we we would have to let the Holy Spirit minister to us and heal us and say it, that hasn't changed God's purpose. That I would not just be an individual loner who's saved, but that I would be someone who He saved to add to the covenant community, since that is that is His overarching purpose. And so I would feel for such people, and, and I would say, the Bible says the Lord places the members in the body of a local church where he sees fit. And just to admit to yourself, that is, God might, might be saying, okay, take some time to heal, but that is going to be his objective. He's going to get you back into, um, not just Christianity, but the body of Christ, a local church. Um... And so, did that answer the fullness of your question? Yeah, I, I think like so. I, I think so, and I actually really appreciate you, even from the beginning, acknowledging the pain and the hurt of those situations as really, really real. Um, obviously, I mean, I've been a part of church basically since I was born, um, so I've seen some really high times, and I've seen some really low times in, in church, and um, I know plenty of people that have been through a moral failure of their lead pastor um, and and the pain and the challenges that that brings in people's lives like sin yeah even when it's sin done uh, you know by someone else it, it affects people you know as they have put their trust and confidence and you know and there could be something to be said about that right like we mm-hmm. we have to trust Jesus mm-hmm. behind the leader not so much the person so if they're to ever fall, we know Jesus is still the same, yeah, still good, though it's still uh, impacting because there's personal relationship and those kinds of things. So the church is community. Mm-hmm. The church is imperfect. Yeah, I've heard uh, it said, the moment you find a perfect church, for God's sake, do not join it. Because you'll ruin it. Because you'll ruin it, <laughs> unless you think that you're perfect. And that's a horrible thing to say to someone as a retort to the fact that they're hurt and broken because of past abuse. You know, that's not what you say to them. Right. But in general, in general, that's true. Like, yeah, even the church in the New Testament was not perfect. Uh, there are a lot of bad th- that's why most of these letters were written is because the church wasn't perfect and things needed to be corrected you know but the 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 apostolic teaching was not yeah that yeah you all are really screwed up it'd be all right if you just gave up on this church thing and did jesus privately that's never that's never what said that what said is uh repent be humble um be be restored to one another that that's what's taught that's what we're taught to do and i think we know as christians deep down that that's what god wants to do he wants to restore and keep us together as family not divide us yeah i think most of those objections against the church are um, defense mechanisms that are produced out of hurt and pain and so i don't think people because i I, you know especially coming through this whole covid coronavirus Mm -hmm. season and um we're you know we were kind of into like forced forced seclusion kind of stuff people start to go wow even the introverts of the world out there are going whoa I miss people. I mean, I know there's a few people that are like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> I love quarantine. But uh, <laughs> Some of us introverts really weren't that upset. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm included. In <laughs> so, um, so church is community. Church is necessary. Church is imperfect. Um, I, I think those are all really great. And, and uh, 
I think the point that really, one of the big things that changed my life at PBC was um, church is Jesus idea. Yes. Um, I remember sitting in the class was called local church and I looked down at my Bible and it said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, and I was like, oh, wait a second. Th those words are in red, you know, like Jesus words in red in, in that Bible. And I thought, wow, Jesus said that Jesus is building his church. Yeah. So it's not a man-made uh, organization. It's not a man-made idea. Oh, man, uh, that that changes everything, because up until that point, I I went to church because it was fun and generally convenient and enjoyable. And most of my friends were there. Um, but I know that I I don't think I would have ever really sacrificed much mm -hmm. um, for that, yeah. because anytime if we're just involved in something for the enjoyment, for the convenience, for the you know, the convenient gathering of our friends in one place, when th when the heat gets turned up, when it gets a little bit rough, our tendency will be to just walk away yeah. or go find something else that's yeah. easy. Yeah. I think we should go, I think we should go to those two passages if, if we're wanting to define terms. Uh, that first one where Jesus said that in Matthew 16, uh, he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, or death, will not prevail against it. And if you look at the context of that, and if, I would just get your Bible out if you're listening to this, or, or to make sure to go back to it later, just to look at that passage afresh. Um, he says, if you recall, he says, who do, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Uh, in other words, who do people say that guy in Daniel is who's going to come from heaven? And they say these different names. And then, he, and then he turns it on them and says, but who do you say I am? which is pretty strongly suggesting he thinks he is this person who's going to come from heaven. Anyway, P Peter gets this idea. He thinks it's his idea. He <laughs> says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, which just means you are the king that the prophets prophesied would come to save Israel. And Peter thinks that's his idea, but Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you, you're, you're, you're not Simon, you are Peter, which means Rocky. It actually wasn't a name until then. It was kind of a nickname, Rocky. And on this rock, I will build my church. And that's the first time he uses that word. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, so that whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And the passage goes on. Um, but there's some interesting things we can learn right away. Number one is the word he uses, I will build my church. Uh, the word is the Greek word ekklesia. It just means a gathering of people. But what's important to know is that this is the word that was used among Jews. If we were translating the Old Testament into Greek, this was the word we chose to talk about how Israel was gathered around God's presence to worship him in the wilderness. That's the word that was used, the ecclesia. And Jesus is actually making, even the way that the Greek sentence is laid out, the emphasis is on the word my. I will build my church. The word church is not shocking to them. All those Jewish hearers would say, yes, we know what church is. It's, it's the chosen people of Israel gathered around God's presence. What, what was shocking was Jesus said, I will build my church. 
Moses had his church in the wilderness and it failed. But I, just like God drew Israel out of the world and made them his people, I myself am doing that afresh. And But this time the gates of Hades won't prevail against it. And what we learn is that Jesus thinks that the church is God's way of ultimately forming the community of his people around his presence, just like that word always meant, and that Jesus is the head of it, and that he's the one building it. And he also seems to think that in order to participate in that reality, you need a divine revelation from God about who Jesus is. And so there's a lot of definition going on in the seminal teaching of Jesus. The church is the community of people who are gathered to God, and the only way to be gathered to God now is through a revelation of who Jesus is as the Son of God, because he is now the former of the people of God, the covenant community of God. He has reformed Israel around himself and redefined it so that now if you want to be a part of God's covenant community, it has to be through a God-given revelation about Jesus' lordship. That's wow. a lot to unpack from that passage, but it's all there. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and like I said, that one verse changed the direction of my entire life. I remember walking out of that class being like, well, shoot. <laughs> like, what <laughs> yeah. am I going to do with my life now? Because I had not factored in the church uh, to be a significant part of my priorities and I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was uh, speaking in my heart that day, like, hey, if you love me, you should love what I love. Yeah. <laughs> you should build what I build. You should be a part of what I'm calling you to be a part of. Because he gave no room in that statement for there will be a plan B. Yeah. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, uh, not even death itself can destroy it. This is the last... Thing I'm going to be using until death is finally conquered on that last day. Nothing can stop this. Uh, and, and the emphasis of my there is just so appealing. Moses' church failed, but my church, the gates of Hades, will not. And it just, it just, I was ruined by that too as a student in PBC. I came from the church and the church world, but I didn't have Jesus' kind of commitment to it. Yeah, And I just thought, the church is a good idea as long as it serves as a platform for my ministry and as long as I'm getting something out of it. But then to realize, no, this is actually the center of his eternal purpose throughout all time, coheres in the fact that I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And it just means if that's true, that means I must orient my whole life around that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, it's like, just hearing you uh, give that little testimony of what that verse, you know, did to your life. I'm, I mean, I'm just praying right now. Somebody listening is even kind of getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a download of that same revelation, because um, it really is such a significant part of what um, orients our lives uh, yeah. to be a part of God's community and how. I mean, shoot, we could talk. You know, I could talk all day long about the benefits that have flowed into my life as a result of being connected to the body. Mm -hmm. Goodness, you know, like um, I also, you know, think that I've been able to be a blessing and help other people along the way as well. But my goodness, like what God has done in my life as a result of 
that kind of surrendering my life a little bit to the community, you know, um, has been pretty incredible. So, um, okay. So I think, uh, this has laid a a good bit of foundation to even start the conversation. You know, we've kind of established a little bit what, what is the church? And so maybe give me, give me like uh, two or three sentences or something like that to kind of sum up if you were to try to encapsulate everything that we have uh, chewed on yeah. so far, wrap that up for me. Okay. I would say that the church is uh, the covenant people of God that he has redeemed. That when Jesus saves us, it's not his intention to just save us so we go to heaven someday. His intention has never changed from the very first sentences in the Bible. He was always after a covenant community made in his image to worship him and reign with him. And so that when Jesus saves us, that's what he does. He adds us into the restoration of what was lost back there. He adds us into community. And that should not shock us because community is not something on the periphery of God. Community is the very heart of who God always has been. So it should make sense to us that his eternal purpose for us flows out of that. He himself enjoys covenant community forever in eternity. And his heart for us is, is no less that he would save us from sin to add us into a family of people that would reflect him in the world. And Jesus Christ has done that. He called it his church. And he said, this will last until the end. And, and then, you know, he defined it further, and so did the rest of the New Testament define it further to give us specifics as to what one of those communities should look like, and we have to pay attention to that too. But for now, we'll just have to say, whatever church looks like, we have to recognize this is at the very center of God's purpose for us, and my purpose as an individual cannot be fulfilled with, while neglecting God's eternal purpose for all individuals. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Travis, for taking time to be a part of this episode today. We're definitely going to have to have you back uh, to kind of continue this conversation. And so uh, with that, again, thank you. And thank you um, you for having me. Oh, man, my privilege. Um, To you guys, uh, thanks for listening today. Thanks for being a part of the Growing Faith um, audience and and listening. And I always enjoy uh, trying to have be a little bit more uh, interactive in the sense if you want to reach out to me, you can reach me at rickm at manahouse.church. I'd love to hear from you, hear how uh, any of this is impacting you. Also, if you have any questions or comments or any ideas for future episodes, I always like to try to tailor what we do to help serve you, the listening audience, the best that we possibly can. Um, And to that end, if you would be so kind, uh, if this has been any kind of blessing to you at all, uh, like and comment and share and share and share and um, and even review on the podcast store. Um, and, you know, five stars are awesome. So if you want to throw the old five star rating on, that'd be awesome. You know, I'm not trying to set you up for anything, <laughs> but um, that'd be cool. So anyways, I'd uh, love to be able to uh, reach as many people as possible with the efforts to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so with that, we just say a big hearty God bless you and have the most amazing day.